Thank you, sir. Yes, that's my stuff. Good morning, everyone. It is a treat to see you. I'm thankful to see all of you today. Thankful to everyone that's tuning in. And I'm honestly thankful for a high of, what, 79 today or something like that? Praise praise God. <clears throat> you're going to be so glad that you're here today because today uh, we celebrate 28 years of God's faithfulness to SVC. It's our 28th anniversary of our, our very first public service, which took place over in the library at Beagle Wilson Elementary in uh, uh, Rancho Solano 28 years ago today. That is insane. So we thank God for that. Thank God for Pastor Gary and, and Joy uh, obeying the call from God to move out here to a community where they really didn't know anyone and plant a church that makes disciples make disciples who plant churches and plant churches to reach our world. That is what it's all about. So our God is alive and we're going to celebrate that and so many other things today. Here we go. All right, let's sing, church. I'm alive because you're alive. I am free because you set me free. I'm alive. I'm alive in you, Jesus. I am yours because you said it so. I'm loved and you won't let go. I'm alive. I'm alive in you. Jesus, oh Spirit, oh Spirit, come, bring revival to our land. This hope we have, our God's not dead, He is alive. And He is Jesus, He is Jesus, nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. Oh, yes, He is. Our God is. Our God is alive. Hey, death. Hey, death. Where is your sting? No sin has claim on me. I'm alive. I'm alive in you, 
Jesus. No grave could hold my King. He stands in victory. He's alive. He's alive in you, Jesus. You are. You're alive. You're alive in me, Jesus. Yes, He is, and He is. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is? He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. And He is Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Oh, yes, He is. Our God. Our God is alive. One, two, three. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Yes, He does. And there is joy. Sing it out. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. Yeah, we shout out your praise. We sing. We sing to the God who healed. We sing to the God who saved. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, and he rose up from that grave. Our God still rolling stones away. Oh, yes, he is, and there is joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. That's right. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, we won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, yeah, yeah, we shout out your praise. And we shout out, sing it now, shout out your praise. We shout, shout out your praise. We were the beggars. 
Oh, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. One more time. Yes, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh, there is joy. Sing it. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. That's right. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. We shout. Shout out your praise. Oh, we shout. Shout out your praise. Why don't you have a seat for a hot minute? Um, you know, in this house of the Lord, there has been joy on many, many occasions over the last uh, 28 years. I think about um, all the ways that God has shown his faithfulness. And, you know, for me, uh, when I think about the last 28 years, honestly, I think about the people that I've gotten to rub shoulders with and, and do life and ministry with. Um, I think about people, uh, I mean, obviously in the in entire church, but especially people I've gotten to work closely with in the band. One of those people, I just want to share this briefly. Uh, some of you may remember the Roberts family, Katie Roberts, Katie and Sean and Nora and Kelly, their girls. Um, when Katie started um, serving here, when, when they came to Travis, she got her feet wet. She had a little bit of a guitar experience, but she got her feet wet playing in front of a crowd and, and leading worship here in the band with us. And she was just a, a wonderful, humble, delightful team member. And when they transferred to uh, Hawaii, um, she joined the worship team at her church and eventually became the worship leader at uh, what's called Pearl Harbor Memorial Chapel. Now, Katie has told me that uh, about how many of you made a difference in her life and how you ministered to her. And I think it's pretty amazing that she is the one that's making the difference now. She's the one that's ministering to others. And so her journey, I mean, you know, it, it's always hard to say goodbye to people. But her journey of worship leading began here with you investing in her. And now she gets to pay it forward and be the one that's 
investing. And they've, they've moved back stateside. Uh, I'm not sure where they're plugged in right now. But I remember at the this past December, it was the 70th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah, 41, 2021. And a photo, she sent me a photo of her leading her band. I don't know if you've been to the Arizona Memorial, but they were standing in the memorial and singing hymns and just praising God. And it was just incredible to watch. So <clears throat> that is just one particular, I mean, that's just one idea or, or one, not idea, but one memory that I can think of when, when I think of, of of God's faithfulness. And so um, she and so many others like her who have moved on to their next um, military assignment or whatever are continuing to serve. And um, it's just incredible for me to see and so encouraging for me to see. So I praise God for that. And I praise God for how you have been so welcoming to people who have, you know, graced our presence uh, through the year. So I just wanted to share that with you. So and just share uh, how God is using Katie to um, uh, to lead people into his presence and other all over the world, you know, um, even Lee Dorman. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Lee's doing it in Texas and Cody led worship and Cody Tysar led worship in uh, South Korea and um, remember Tasha Gentile, Tasha and Micah in Alaska. I mean, it's just, it's been really cool. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to move forward. And the one thing that is cool is, is, you know, what binds all of that together, no matter where we're serving, is the one true God that we get to serve and that the one true God that we get to make much of. So... Um, I want to invite you to stand again, please. And let's worship our one true God. Let's worship him with a thankful heart, with a grateful heart. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for people like Katie who have come through our doors through the years and who continue to love and serve you. We thank you for how you are using people that have been a part of our church family all over the world to make your praise glorious, to love and serve children, to lead small groups, serving in so many ways. Thank you so much for the privilege of having had a front row seat to your faithfulness and provision through the years. Let's sing, church. One. One voice in the dark, a song that lights up the stars, one breath that gives life, one sovereign in power, who speaks with thunder and fire, one Lord, one King. There is no other who can compare to you. You are the one alone in greatness, the one never changing. 
true God. Why don't you have a seat for a moment? And my wife, Carolyn's going to talk with us a little bit about Love Your Neighbor Month here at SBC. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy anniversary, church. 28 years. That is something to definitely um, celebrate. So this month, you are hearing a lot about Love Your Neighbor. And at Solana Valley Church, We don't simply read and study the scriptures just to know it. We read and study the scriptures to live it. Matthew 22 says this in verse 35. One of them, talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees, an expert in the law tested him, Jesus, with the question, Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Today being our 28th anniversary, um, I've been reflecting on that. And first of all, I was just thinking, wow, what churches have the same pastor and same worship pastor for 28 years? I mean, what a blessing to our church. God is good and God is faithful. Um, But I've been thinking about the ways that Solna Valley Church has served our neighbors and our neighborhoods. And there's a lot of things that came to my mind. Um, For example, um, the way we've swung open our doors um, to harvest festivals and pumpkin festivals, how we've used our parking lot for trunk or treats, how we've gone out into our Wood Creek area. And I remember walking and handing out canvases and and flyers and inviting people to events and um, how we've used the park. Years ago, we had a sports camp for kids. Um, We've done lots of festivals in the park as well. We have loved our neighbors, and we have loved our neighbors well. But what I'm really excited about is our future. And what I'm really excited about is the present right now and the things that God is going to do in and through us. Um, And so I'm just grateful for 28 years and more to come. Um, But Gary actually asked me to share something that I'm doing personally for Love Your Neighbor. And um, actually this evening I am having uh, three ladies, my neighbors, um, into my backyard for a time of connection. And we're just going to, there's, there's no huge agenda. We're just going to connect. And what I will say is, and actually it happens to Atlanta. I actually planned it for last month, but I got sick. So um, we're doing it tonight. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect timing, right? Love your neighbor month. And I'm having my neighbors over. But um, what I, I'll be honest with you. Ten years ago, uh, we, well, we've lived in our home for 25 years. And I'd say about ten years ago, we didn't know our neighbors. Our kids were younger. We were working full-time. We were super busy. They were in school. There was always, you know, homework and events and all that. So we would come home from work, close our garage door, come in, and really not connect. But what happened, what was it, about 10 years ago, or the event on our street? I, I, five years ago. Is it only five years ago? Five years. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so five years ago, we had a huge tragedy on our, sh- on our street. There was, um, there was gunfire, and it wasn't just one shot. It was rounds. And one of our neighbors lost their life. And we didn't know that neighbor. And so that just kind of triggered something in us that this is okay. And how can we take back our neighborhood for good? And so we started a um, neighborhood watch. And that got our neighbors together, at least kind of in the near surrounding area. So what ended up happening is, All of a sudden, we were doing Fourth of July together. And Christmas Eve, we were going over to each other's house, and we were having them in our home, and we were having some barbecues. And so all of a sudden, through this tragedy, God redeemed it, and we began to make connections for our neighborhood. And then COVID hit, right? And so it's been two and a half years. And we had some other health conditions where we just really couldn't, you know, have people in our home. Um, 
but in actuality, COVID hit, so um, it's been two and a half years since we've really connected. And I'd been thinking about it a lot, and I, I know that's not just my head thinking. I know it's God prompting my heart um, to connect with our neighbors again and just it's, it's, it's get, them, get them over. And so, um, unfortunately, this past year, we had an, another shooting on our street. Now, you're wondering, what neighborhood do they live on? But, but it's just, it just happens. <laughs> but it was, again, it was the catalyst, right? It was the catalyst saying, we need to do something. So, tonight... I'm having some ladies from my neighborhood over in the backyard just to connect. So uh, if you remember back to Dave Grudgel's, Grudgel's, I'm not saying that correctly, yes. He challenged us a couple of weeks ago to do a couple of things when it comes to evangelism. He says, number one, intercede. Number two, initiate, invest, and invite. The four I's. And tonight, we're going to reconnect. I'm going to reconnect with my neighbors. And so if you happen to think about me or think about anything, if you're praying, just lift us up tonight. I'm praying for an opportunity for God to open up doors of spiritual discussion. See, God's also putting on my heart to start a Bible study. And what would happen if I invited these ladies? And one of them said yes. So if you think about it, pray for us tonight. So this is just one way you can love your neighbor. But there's so many other ways that you can love your neighbor. And I just thought I'd share some practical ways with you how you can love your neighbor. Number one, pray for them by name. So Gary Dat challenged us to walk our neighborhood. And I know I wasn't walking last week, and I don't think any of you are walking. But now look at this weather, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, time to get out and walk again. So as you're walking through your neighborhood, pray for your neighbors. Pray for God to give you an opportunity for one of them to be standing outside. And then initiate a conversation, right? One of the eyes, initiate. And then come to revival prayer. Because when we're at revival prayer, we're praying for our neighbors by name. And what if you are, we all know that lost person. And and here's what I'll say. When you bought your house, you probably bought it because of the awesome backyard or because of the awesome kitchen. Or for there was some reason you bought your home. But I think God had in mind of the neighbors that were were around you, were going to be around you. And he opened up that door for that cell to happen. So God has placed you in the neighborhood that you're in. As you're meeting your neighbors, learn about them and keep a list of their names, their address, their dog's name, right? All those things about them that make them them and unique, and then you can connect on that. Stop and say hello. Don't just pass by. Sometimes we're just out doing our walk, but if you see somebody in their garage, stop and say hi. How's your day? Stop and initiate that conversation. Maybe you can meet a tangible need. If you have a single neighbor, check in on them. Say, I haven't seen you for a while, just wondering how you're doing. Or, I really enjoy talking to you. What have you been up to? This could be through a phone call, right? We still call these days. Um, Or, I'm going to the stores or something you need. And like this past week, my sister reached out to one of her older neighbors and said, are you going to be okay for this upcoming heat wave? Do you need a fan? Is there anything I can get you? But check in on them. Or, maybe you see their trash cans have been out in the street all day. Take a trash can up to their, 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 um, up to their, their um, fence. Or um, maybe you could dog sit for them. I mean, there's so many practical ways that we can love our neighbor. Give a holiday gift, right? So typically what we've done in years past is um, we buy a poinsettia for our neighbors around us and attach an invitation to church to it. 
say if you don't have anywhere to go on Christmas Eve, we'd love to we'd love to see you. Um, now that Katie's baking, now we can take baked goods. She can bake, I can deliver, right? You'll get to enjoy some of her baking today. Um, join us. Join a neighborhood watch or start one if one doesn't exist in your neighborhood. Throw a party in your yard. What? Put a teal. Put put a, put a picnic table in the front of your yard, right? Um, have a barbecue. Write a card and stick it in their mailbox. Just thinking about you today. Or, man, your yard looks awesome. Thanks for bringing up the value of our home by making your home look so good. Um, invite them to church. Invite them to a group. And share the gospel. These are all simple. Let's seize the moment and not wait for a tragedy in our neighborhoods to bring us together. Don't be like me. <laughs> Do it now. And if we all go into our neighborhoods and initiate, invest, invite, just think what God can do. All right. Right now I'm going to ask you to uh, take a moment and greet each other um, and tell, you know, tell them glad to see you today.
Okay, folks, let's make our way back to our seats, and you can you can remain seated if you want, or you can stand. We're going to celebrate the love of God. We haven't done this one in quite some time. It's one of my favorites. How great is His love. what makes all of this possible, right? For he so loved the world. From the darkness I called your name Into darkness your mercy came you called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love. You bore my weakness, you took my shame. Bury my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love. And from the heights of heaven. From the heights of heaven, you step down to earth. Innocent perfection gave your life for us and we are amazed. Yes, we stand in awe for we have been changed. By the power of the cross, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, yes, how great, how great, how great is your love for us. Your kindness in your In your presence, where I belong, you called me out, lifted me up, how great is your love. From the heights, from the heights of heaven, you stepped down to earth, innocent perfection. Gave your life for us and we are amazed. Yes, we stand in awe. For we have been changed by the power of the cross. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great. been, there has never been, 
there will never be a God like you, a love so true. There's never been, there will never be a God like you, a love so true. Sing it again. Oh, there's never been, there will never be a God like you. A love that there has never been, never been, there will never be a God like you, a love so true. Again, church, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for us. Lord, we thank you for your incredible love. We thank you for 28 years of your faithfulness and provision. And we thank you for the privilege of being a part of this great adventure. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, no, Elsa, I'm sorry. Oh, you can go I... ahead and sit down. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Well, before Pastor Gary comes up to continue his series on the book of James, we're going to worship God with our giving now. We believe giving is an act of worship because it honors and glorifies God. It gives us a chance to support the church's mission of making disciples, and we get to participate in seeing people's lives changed as those disciples become more and more like Jesus. We want to thank all of you who have given so generously to SVC. I just want to highlight uh, five ways that you can give. The first one is you can visit our website at www.salonovalley.org forward slash giving. You can tap the Give button on that nice SVC app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word G-I-V-E to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, we do have a mail slot at the back wall behind the sound booth that you can put your um, giving in through there. And we just want to say thank you again so much for partnering with us. I just want to highlight a couple of announcements as well. Here at SVC, we believe that one of the measures of a disciple of Jesus is that we're growing in love for God and also for others. And it's vital to have that consistent interaction, just not on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Um, So one of the ways that you can do this is by joining a small group. Some of the new small groups are starting to form or have started or will be starting. Um, Shameless plug, we are starting a 
small group in our home on Tuesday nights at 6.30. So if you're interested, that information is on the app. Um, but the app, you can find all the other groups as well. If there's something, you just contact the leader. Very low-key. You can come once. You can come through the whole time, whatever you like. Um, we just thrive when we stay connected to the church. So we just encourage you to make that priority in your life. Also, another way uh, that you can connect that you also get that one-on-one time with the pastors. So Pastor Gary and Pastor Matt will be at Journey Coffee on Chadburn Road on Wednesday at 4 p.m. So if you'd like to get to know them better or you have some burning questions about the church or anything else that you um, heard in the sermon or you have questions about, please feel free to stop by. And at this time, I want to invite Pastor Gary up to lead us in worship through word. Good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you, and uh, really, really glad you're with us. Um, So real quick, I want to make a couple comments before I jump into our message. By the way, uh, I think I gave one of these to all of you. If you did not get one, we do have a couple extra back on the back table, but it's just a a little bulletin. Uh, And uh, in here, it does have the scripture we're looking at today, and there's a short, little, small space for for any notes you'd want to take. So I want to encourage you to use that if that's helpful for you. So, uh, you know, so interesting is that it's easy to rejoice in, like, I don't know, like big events or big things that happen and stuff. But I also think there's something very, very special about small beginnings. I really, really do. I think sometimes small beginnings are overlooked uh, and under-celebrated. But just think about something like uh, a rose or any other plant that begins with a seed, is that the beginning seems to be insignificant and unimportant, and yet there would be no rose plant without the seed itself. And I think the gospel is like seeds in our hearts. And I think that, that when the, the gospel takes root in our lives, it can do really powerful, uh, wonderful things. And so... Uh, we, we're celebrating our 28 years of, of ministry, and, and one of the things that Matt shared, and I really liked it, was he talked a little bit about uh, how Katie uh, had come to our church. She was uh, eventually, Sean began to come with her. Uh, their little girls were born in our church. She began to help with the worship team, and then eventually she went on to become a worship leader. And I was thinking as he was sharing that, how many different times things like that have happened in our church? And he started, he started talking about Lee, who's also leading worship elsewhere. Uh, I thought he mentioned Cody, who had also led worship in South Korea. And, uh, and I thought about Jeremy Wilson, who didn't get a start here, but was with us for a really wonderful season of ministry uh, where we had Jeremy and Melissa, who's been leading worship up in uh, a couple of churches up in Washington. But, uh, and, and I was thinking about still in our church today, uh, I was just thinking about, uh, and, and it was a small beginning. I mean, there was, y'all weren't invited to it, no one else. There was no band playing in the background announcing this wonderful event uh, it wasn't like that. It was There was no dramatic music in the background. But I remember meeting with Steve Acord years ago when he and Sandy had first started coming to our church. And we were meeting over at Coffee World. And I took out a napkin, uh, which I've done many times in the past. And then what I did was I began to draw out the gospel for him on a napkin. 
and um, and I talked with him about where he stood in relationship with God. And at that point, he had not made a commitment to Christ. Okay, uh, he had come to church, but in terms of having been born again and really putting his faith and hope in Jesus, he hadn't done that yet. And so I, at that moment, I just kind of asked him, "Is there a, a good reason why you haven't done that yet?" And uh, and he kind of was like, he wasn't he wasn't offended, but he was like, he wasn't expecting the question. He was like, "Well, no, not really." And I asked him, "Was well, there any reason why you wouldn't do it right now?" And uh, he was like, "Well, we're in a coffee shop. Can you do that in a coffee shop?" I said, "You could do it anywhere." And uh, I don't really remember exactly how the conversation went, but I remember having that conversation with him. And I remember that, I don't know if it was there at the shop or later that day, he put his faith, his hope in Jesus. And God saved Steve. And today, Steve serves, you know, in a lot of different ways in our church. He's one of our elders. But I look at that and I think it's a small beginning that's had an incredible impact in his life and in his family and the lives of other people in our church. And, and I love those small beginnings. And, and I was thinking about this, and I, w- I was thinking about how recently I got a text, and I want to share it with you. I won't say who it's from, but I just received this text because nobody's going to celebrate it. Nobody's going to send it to you. But it was a similar kind of situation where a person recently texted me, and they just said this, Gary, I just want to say how thankful I am for you meeting, uh, for, I am for meeting you. You've been a huge blessing in my spiritual walk this past year. And uh, but just a word of and the thing is, you may never know this person, uh, their name. You may not know exactly how God is working in their life. But today, this young man is now uh, leading a youth ministry in another church. Um, And then uh, we this was and and I was just like I got that like uh, last week. I got on my birthday. I got that on my birthday. Uh, And then um, last Thursday. And uh, a week ago, this past Thursday, and then also recently, uh, one of the children of our church uh, wrote a card for joy. And I love this because it came from one of our children and she made a point to make this card for joy. But in it, she just said this. She said, I love going to church and I really want to have a relationship with God. And to me, it's like I look at this and I think about these small beginnings That right now, we may not really fully be able to understand what's involved in that. But when when I was thinking about what Matt shared, and we we look at Katie, how she went from playing guitar, being quite nervous on the stage, to becoming a worship leader at Grace Memorial Chapel, or excuse me, at uh, Pearl Harbor Memorial Chapel, then leading worship at the, the monument for... Uh, the university, or excuse me, for the, the university, for the battleship Arizona at that that the Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, memorial there, and then doing that on the 70th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. To me, I just think it's kind of awesome. It's awesome what God has done in our past, but it's also awesome what God is doing right now, and the ripple effects of this ministry that go way outside the walls of this church. But I just believe that that is something that for me um, is something that I find joy in. Uh, I just I I love seeing God at work in people's lives. Uh, That being said, uh, I'd like to encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open up to James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. It's also written in your uh, in your little bulletin there. And then also, uh, by the way, that bulletin was put together by me. 
And it was put together by me and a young friend of mine. He's about, he's like 23, 24 years old. He used to run track with Caleb a long, long time ago. Actually, he may be a little bit older than that now. But uh, it was funny. Uh, he's not even a Christian, but he saw what I was doing. And he sat down next to me over a journey and said, hey, I can help you do that. <laughs> so your, 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 uh, your bulletin was put together by someone who's not a believer who doesn't go to our church. Okay? So, so there. There you go. All right? Uh, but he's a great guy, really neat young man, and who knows, maybe one day he'll be that new uh, beginning in, in another person. Um, which, by the way, I loved what you shared, shared today, Carolyn, because I think that's, those are small beginnings that can have dramatic impact in people's lives. All right, uh, real quick comment here. Words have incredible power in our lives. Is that true? Words have incredible power in our lives. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Have you ever got like a, just a stinging word from a person that really injured you? Maybe shaped the way you began to think about yourself. Maybe something that was said to you as a child about something that, that um, you had no control over. Uh, that uh, maybe began to define how you looked at yourself. Words can have incredible impact in our lives, sometimes in bad ways, sometimes in good ways. Uh, You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about in my life uh, in years past. I remember one time I was 16. I was living that summer. I spent the summer in Estes Park, Colorado, where I was doing street evangelism, and we were also going up to the National Park, and I was sharing the gospel with people there. And uh, I remember that I used to work at this place called the Yum Yum Hut. Uh, I think I made a buck eighty-five an hour. Okay, uh, that was minimum wage in Colorado at that time. And uh, and I was working as a dishwasher at the Yum Yum Hut, which was this little restaurant right on next to the dam uh, at Lake Estes. And so I remember I was there. You know, all the guys I worked with. I was like the youngest guy, you know, everybody else, the cooks, all those guys, they were all a little bit older than me, so I was kind of like the low man on the totem pole. But every one of them knew I was a Christian. It was just, at that time in my life, it was hard to be around me and not know that I was a Christian. And, uh, and I, I wasn't pushy, but I was not, uh, I was not silent. Uh, I was not a secret agent Christian, okay? Uh, and so uh, day, I remember... Uh, one day, and, and most of these guys, you know, none of them came from Christian backgrounds. And a lot of them had been turned off by the church, had been t- turned off by things that Christians, so-called Christians, have done. And I remember one day that there was four of them, if I remember correctly, there were four, these four guys. All of them walked in. All of them walked in. And uh, they were all, they just began to, and I'm like the, I'm 16 years old. All these guys were in their 20s, okay? They were quite a bit older than me. And they began to to ask questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And they never gave me an opportunity to respond. And I remember in the moment, I remember this passage where Jesus said, when they drag you before kings and into the courts, uh, do uh, do not worry about what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words in the moment. And I remember I sat there and I was thinking about it. And I had no word to respond with. I had no word. I just felt like I had nothing, uh, no word from God to share. And so I remained silent. I just remained silent. And a little while later, 
one of the guys, he, he called me in. His name's John, John Pabst. He, John used to, uh, he was the manager for the restaurant. He was one of the guys. And John was, I say they were in their 20s. John was probably in his 30s. And, and his dad owned the restaurant, but he was the guy who really ran everything. But I remember he, he called me and he just he said to me, or I had walked in, I don't I can't remember the office or something, and he looked at me and he said, You know what, Gary? You're a really good guy. You're a really good guy. And then I, I, I was like I was like totally perplexed because I thought, Well, wait a second, a moment ago I was a moron for being a Christian and now I'm a pretty good guy. And nobody called me a moron, okay? They didn't do that. They weren't belittling that way. But it was interesting. I remember I walked away from it, and I felt really puzzled. And in the moment, I had felt really, really grieved. I really did. I mean, you know, when you're one person and you feel like you're being attacked by multiple people, all of them older, kind of having a little bit more power than what you have, I just remember feeling very, very alone in that moment, almost really like I was forsaken by God. And I remember I went back that later that day. I went, went, went home, and I was living in this home with several other high school guys, and there were a couple of guys who were uh, like, they were like our supervisors. They were in their 20s. But I remember one of the guys, Chuck, uh, Chuck Harmon, he led a youth ministry in Orlando, uh, Florida at the time, and he was one of my housemates. And, and Chuck had invested in me a lot that summer. He really did. He really invested in me. But I remember that Chuck, as I shared the story, I just said, I said, Chuck, I just kind of felt like God deserted me. It's like I had nothing to say, you know. And uh, and I was just perplexed with God. And I remember Chuck was just like really patient listening. And he said, you know, Gary, he said, I think you said exactly what you were supposed to say. I think you were supposed to just listen. That's all you were supposed to do. You were supposed to listen. And then he said, he said, you know, when your manager said to you, you're a pretty good guy. He said, people don't say that unless something you've said or done impresses them. And when you, when he said that, just I want you to know, God didn't abandon you. You were probably doing exactly what God wanted you to do in that moment. And I remember feeling really encouraged. And, and as I was thinking about this, I began to think about another situation. I remember another time in ministry where I was feeling really, really discouraged. And uh, I had kind of blown it with some stuff. And I'd gotten really upset and uh, uh, about a couple of people. And I remember... Any of y'all know who Dennis Rainey is? Any of you? Okay. So I, I had occasion to, I knew Dennis as a young man. I was, uh, we he was running his offices for the family ministries at that, that time in Little Rock. And so uh, Dennis, for those of y'all who don't know who he is, he, he used to run uh, the Family Life Ministry and has written, I don't know how many books, he's written more books than I've read, okay? But he's written a, a bunch of books. He's a really, really good guy, really um, just fireball uh, on fire for Jesus and, and uh, one of the most powerful leaders I've ever been around, okay? But I remember at that time that Dennis was, he kind of knew all the stuff. And, and Dennis had invested in me a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And he had actually helped sponsor my ministry when I went into Eastern Europe and was working um, in Hungary back in 1980 and 81. And, and I remember, uh, you know, he just saw and heard the remorse in my voice over where I'd really blown it in a really, really bad way. And I remember what Dennis said to me. He said, you know, Gary, he said, I, I, I see you. He said, I, I, I know your faults because you have some of the same faults that I have. But I said, I said, or he said to me, he said, but, but, you know, the other thing I see in you is I see in you this incredible passion for Jesus. And he said, I just wish 
that our churches, I wish that uh, our ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ, was filled with young men like you. And for me to hear those words from Dennis at that time in my life, it had a powerful impact. I believe that words, words powerfully, powerfully impact individuals. Powerfully, powerfully impact marriages. Oh, I believe it has incredible impact in a marriage, either for good or for bad. I think families, incredible impact for good or for bad, and in, even in nations. And right now, what I see in our nation is we call ourselves the United States of America. And it almost feels like hypocrisy. Because our nation is so divided. And it is divided by angry rhetoric. It is divided by angry rhetoric that parades itself and calls itself news. But really what it is, is it's editorializing. And what really, really does is it tries to create in people fear, anxiety, anger, disrespect. And it's tearing our nation apart. And it doesn't just end with the news. We see it even with many politicians in our world today. And what we need less of are angry words. And what we need more of is words, words that do something powerfully good in our lives. And that's what the Bible says. In James chapter 1, verse 19, James says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. By the way, this is a biblical basis for taking notes on sermons, okay? James says this, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write it down, okay? Write it down. But don't just write it on a piece of paper. Write it on your heart. Write it into your mind. But take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Think about that for a moment. I don't want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because the anger of man, human anger, does not bring about, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, God desires a righteousness in you and me, a righteousness of conduct. Anger doesn't produce that. It produces something really, really different. Human anger does. Verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Uh, Three thoughts, and I'll try to make this quick and fast. Three thoughts. Uh, By the way, if you do this in your marriage, your marriage will be blessed. If you do this in your marriage, your spouse will be blessed through you. If you do this in your family, your children will be blessed by you. Your grandchildren will be blessed by you. If we do this as a nation, our nation will be blessed. And if we don't do this, 
in those different places, there's going to be a lot of injury and pain. And the first point I want to share with you is simply be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And the Bible talks a lot about this, particularly in the Proverbs. I'll just share with you a few verses. In Proverbs ten nineteen, it says, The sin is not ended, which means, actually, it means sin is multiplied. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. That's why sermons should be shorter, not longer. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent, the wise, hold their tongues. That's a mark of wisdom. I hear people sometimes who say, I just speak my mind. I'm like, well, that's funny. The Bible says the prudent hold their tongues. How foolish are you? No, I don't say that to them. I just think it by mind. But whoever, um, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The, the, the Proverbs goes on to say, whoever derides their neighbor has no sense. By the way, this is love your neighbor. Don't deride your neighbor, Okay. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense. But the one who has understanding, the one with wisdom, the one who's prudent, holds their tongue. Uh, in, 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 in Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this. And a lot of you are probably familiar with Proverbs 15, 1. It says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And, and I, I, sometimes, you know, I used to read this and think, oh, okay, if I will use... A gentle answer, it'll turn away the wrath of someone who's angry with me. I don't think that's what it's talking about. Yeah, I think you're right, Noreen. It's our wrath. See, when I respond, when I'm feeling angry, if I will just simply bring my tone down, bring my volume down. By the way, I can be really loud. I really can. Okay? But if I bring my tone down, if I bring my volume down, my wrath, my anger dissipates but if i just speak what's on my mind if i let a person have it by the way i've done that before um then uh it just stirs up anger verse two goes on to say this the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge but the mouth of a fool gushes folly hold your tongue and then in proverbs 17 17 28 even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. The being quick to listen, slow to speak. And finally, Proverbs 16.32 says this, Better a patient person than a warrior. Okay? We live in a culture that celebrates the warrior. We do. We do. Just look at the movies that we watch for entertainment. You know, have you ever seen Clint Eastwood? Have you ever seen Sylvester Stallone? Have you ever seen Tom Cruise starring in a movie that's about a really, really patient person? We celebrate the warrior. By the way, we, we need to celebrate warriors. We've got a Marine here. Uh, we, there, there, there is a place to celebrate the warrior, absolutely. But it says here, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. The self-control, particularly with our words, is something that's awesome. What could happen in our marriages if we listened more than we spoke and if we listened when we felt angry instead of just letting venting our anger? What would happen in our families, our children, the lives of children? What would... 
Okay, this is, this is going to be hard for y'all to imagine. Okay? You need to have a good imagination to worship Jesus well. Okay? I'm just going to tell you that. But I want you to imagine this. Imagine it's a presidential debate. And imagine that the Republican and the Democrat both patiently listen to the other person's position without interruption. Imagine that we watch a presidential debate. By the way, to be a good leader, you have to be a good listener. You do. To be a good leader, you have to be a good listener. Show me a bad listener, I'll show you a really, really bad leader. Okay? We need to be good listeners. Imagine a presidential debate where both people listen respectfully to the other person. And imagine, imagine for a moment that a Republican with a Democrat or a Democrat with a Republican says, you know what? I know it's my time to speak, but I want to concede two, minute, two more minutes of my speech because I think my, uh, my rival here may actually have a really good point, and I'd like him to, to, to kind of tease that out for us and help us understand it because I would like to know more of what he's talking about here because maybe I'm not right about everything. Maybe I could actually learn something if I listen to someone who doesn't agree with me. Imagine a presidential debate like that. Imagine presidential debates. Imagine politics where we weren't trying to win debates. We were really trying to make our nation a better place. Imagine politics and government where we weren't just seeking to win elections, but we were seeking to get the best possible person in office. Uh, there's good news in this text for, for us as a church there, uh, there, and for our nation. Um, okay, move on. Number two. Uh, number one, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Number two, get rid of all moral filth. By the way, why do we want to get rid? Uh, why do we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Secondly, this is get rid of all moral filth. Why didn't I close my Bible? Get rid of all, um, all, um, all moral filth. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Get rid of all moral filth. What, what moral filth are we talking about here? Are we talking about adultery? Are we talking about murder? Are we talking about drug usage? And the answer is no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about filthy words. I'm not talking about the F word. I'm talking about filthy words. Words that create corruption and destroy lives. That's the moral filth we've got to get rid of. See, when our words are destructive, they are filthy. And we've got to get rid of it. By the way, the words here, get rid of, it it means like taking off a filthy garment, like getting it off of you as fast as you can. I mean, okay, I'm going to be coarse. I apologize. I grew up in Arkansas. I can't help it, okay? I still have an inner 13-year-old in my head, all right? Uh, Imagine that you're, I don't know, you're a little kid. You're skipping along the road, and then you fall in an open sewer filled with human waste. You just get up and just keep skipping along. (laughs) 
No, you run home. You get out of your clothes. You jump. Even though you don't like taking showers because you're a little kid, you jump in the shower because you don't like that on you. That's what the text is talking about. It's like get rid of it. Have nothing to do with it. Remove it as far from yourself as you can. Um, Get rid of moral, moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And that's the third thing I want you to see in this text. Is God wants us to humbly receive the word planted in us that can save us. Now, real quickly, uh, two things. What does it mean to humbly receive the word implanted? Uh, and what does it mean that it can save us? All right? To humbly receive the word implanted... Sometimes people will listen to a sermon. They'll go home, and they will remember nothing that was said. I, I've heard this before. I've never had the experience. I'm sure it hasn't happened to any of you. But, you know, you, you hear a sermon, and years later, it's like, what was that guy talking about? <laughs> I don't have a clue. Well, I think it's because he was clueless while he's talking about it, all right? So, I, or have you ever read the Bible? And then 10 minutes later, you're like, what is there? I kind of forgot what I was reading about. Have you ever done that? Ever had that experience? Okay. It's not just reading the Bible. It's not just listening to sermons. But it's humbly receiving the word and planning it. It means not just writing a note, although writing notes can be helpful, but letting your heart become God's notepad where God writes his word. See, when we humbly receive the word implanted, uh, it has powerful impact in our lives. It, 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 it is, it, when we humbly receive the word implanted, when we, um, I've been memorizing James chapter 1. I've been memorizing James chapter 1 as I've been preaching and teaching on James 1. I don't have it all memorized, but I have a lot of it memorized. But I've mem- memorized it. And this is the way it works. Is it's like, it, it looks something like this. Um, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. My, beer, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And I'll say that to myself like 10, 15 times. And then I'll add the, the, the next line. Let everyone, everyone should be quick. I, if you hear me going back and forth, I first memorized it in the American Standard. Now I'm memorizing it in the NIV. So I get the language uh, Back, back and forth sometimes. But everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen. And I'll say that like 10, 15 times. And then eventually I put it all together. Okay? And I'll say it. And then 10 minutes later, and it's like I've memorized it. And 10 minutes later, I've completely forgotten it. And so later that night, I'll go back and I'll do the exact same thing again. And the next morning, I do it again. The next evening, I do it again. The next morning, I do it again in the evening. And each time, I keep forgetting it. But what happens is each time I do it, I remember a little bit more than I did before. And you do this day after day after day. And you do it week after week after week. And over time, it gets to where it makes these patterns, these, um, I don't know, the, the, about, you know, it begins to like write itself into your brain. But what we want to do is we want to humbly receive the word and plant it. Which means we don't want it just to memorize it until it's planted into our, our brains. We want to meditate on it. 
until it's planted into our hearts. See, it's not just reading the Word that makes the difference in your life and my life. A person can read the Word and be unchanged. But you can't humbly receive the Word and plant it and stay the same. You know, it's very, very interesting. Uh, Jesus tells a story about this in the Gospels. And he, he tells the story about a farmer who went out to plant seed. He went out to plant seed, and some of the seed fell along a pathway, and the birds came down and flew, and and they picked up the seed and they ate it. Some of the seed fell where um, there was rocky soil. Because the soil was rocky and the the soil wasn't super deep, it, it immediately sprouted up. But when it got hot, it burned away. Some of the seed, it fell uh, where there were were thorns and thistles. And over time, the thorns and thistles choked out the seed. But finally, some of the seed fell on good ground. It grew, it was fruitful, and it produced a great harvest. Jesus says there are four kinds of people. There are some people, they hear the Word of God. And they're like the pathway. But Satan comes along and steals away the seed, the Word of God, before it ever penetrates the human heart. Some people, they hear the Word of God. At first, they they receive it with great enthusiasm, and then life gets hard. Something goes sideways, and it just kind of burns away. It has no lasting impact in their lives. Some people, they hear the Word of God, but... Worldly distraction strangles the Word of God out of their hearts and their minds. But finally, there are those people who hear the Word of God humbly and planted. It takes root in their lives, and it becomes fruitful and productive. The difference is, is when a person listens to a sermon but does nothing with it. The difference is, is when someone reads the Word of God and does nothing with it. But when someone listens, they internalize it. Then it becomes the Word implanted, and it is able to save you. It, is the, the, it, it saves us in that we are saved. We are saved, made right with God faith in Jesus. And we call that justification. And, and, and so salvation, I don't know, if I had a quarter here, I don't have any change. But if I had a quarter here, I'd show you. You got heads, you got you got tails on the quarter, right? I don't know. Unless it was printed in Arkansas, then it has tails on both sides. I don't know. Uh, but it has heads on one side, tails on the other side. When we are saved, it's kind of like that. There's a heads and a tails. There's something called justification where we're made right with God once and for all time. But there's also something called sanctification, where we begin to live out that salvation in our daily lives. And that's what James is talking about here. When we humbly receive the word implanted, we begin to live it out in our lives. And we begin, and this is, you want, you want to know what happens? You begin to, you begin to experience, um, you begin to experience this 
uh, a change in relationships. You begin to experience blessing in your friendships. You begin to experience, you and others experience blessing in, in your marriage. That, that, that if, you are, if you have children, if you have a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, they begin to experience God's blessing through you. When neighborhoods do this, people experience blessing. When communities do this, communities experience blessing. When nations do this, they experience blessing. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. And humbly accept, receive the word planted in you, which can save you. Let's pray. God, today we want to be a people who don't just hear your word and do nothing with it. We want to be people who hear your word and humbly receive it in planning. We want to be changed by your word so that we become more like Jesus in our thinking, in our affections, in our attitudes, in our actions. God, help us to be people who are quick to listen. Quick to listen. Eager, eager to listen. And slow to speak and slow to become angry. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen, indeed. Thank you so much, Gary. Church, let's stand together. And let's close out this celebration of God's faithfulness by worshiping Him together one more time. And I say God's faithfulness, and I really mean that. And I also just want to take a moment to thank you for how you have served, for how you have given, for how you have reached, for how you have worshiped and connected. Uh, it has been an honor and a privilege to uh, be on this great adventure with you. So thank you for what you've done. Uh, when you, uh, Before you leave today, our, our, da- our daughter Katie made a variety of cookies back there that are going to be on the table. And uh, so uh, Sharon's uh, taking care of that right now. Thank you. And uh, something that she loves, really enjoys doing and loves to do. And um, so, um, and we love her for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here it goes. Ooh, I'm alive. You're alive, I'm free, cause you set me free, I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus, I'm yours, cause you said it so, I'm love, and you won't let go, I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus, oh Spirit, come. Bring revival to our land. 
This hope we have, our God's not dead, He is alive. He is Jesus, nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is, our God is alive. Our God, our God is alive. Where is your sting? No sin has claim on me. I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus. Holds my key, he stands in victory. He's alive, he's alive in me, Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Sing it again. He is Jesus. He is Jesus. No one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Our God, our God is alive. Thank you so much for being here to celebrate with us. We will see you next time. Enjoy the cookies. <laughs>